Is that any different from regular coffee? I wish I could show you. Um, you've never seen it before? You drink it in like little tiny cups. I've had, uh, uh, coffee's I mean, much stronger. I mean, I've had Greek coffee like that. Yeah, I, th- I think it's pretty similar. It's like a little, it's like stronger, a little thicker. Like, yeah. Kind of has like almost like a little grainy texture inside the mm-hmm. liquid. Yeah. Yep, that, yep. You are, man, you are not going to sleep tonight at all. <laughs> no, I'm used to it by now. Yeah, I got what? I got water here and, um, yeah, I'll post a picture of myself holding this, so hopefully they'll sponsor the show. Uh, I'm drinking, uh, for me, this, is, this might as well be liquid cocaine in a bottle. Uh, we've got the Sweet Leaf Organic Mint and Honey Green Tea. I had this in California for the first time back in 2013, and sadly it hadn't come to the East Coast by then. Then I found it again in Atlanta two years later, and then they finally brought it back up to my local grocery store, and I bought like 20 of them. It it sounds and looks delicious. It is. It's like it's it's only sixty calories in uh, in, in oh, a bottle. Healthy. Yeah, two servings. So yeah, it's one hundred twenty calories, thirty grams of sugar. But here, but here are the ingredients: water, organic cane sugar, organic green tea concentrate, organic spearmint flavor, organic honey, ascorbic acid, and citric acid. So, yeah. So as far as stuff with high sugar content, it's actually not that bad. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, sweet leaf. They also, no chemicals. Yeah, oh my god, this is turning into a commercial for sweet leaf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sponsor us. Please they sponsor also, us. Yeah, they they oh man, what do they make? They also make a half and half flavor. They got raspberry. Oh, half and half is amazing. Uh, and I'm really picky about my Arnold Palmer's, and theirs is actually pretty decent. Wow. So uh but yeah, the mint and honey is my go-to. It's it's my favorite. It's probably the best um store-bought iced tea I've had in my life. Uh snap wow. on this. Uh, anyway, uh, they have to sponsor us after that. They, hey, they like some of my tweets. So, oh, really? Yeah, they do. <laughs> there anyway, you go. Anyway, so, uh, hi, folks. This, uh, now after that extended commercial, <laughs> which we tortured you with, uh, we're here at Yankees Mets Express, uh, continuing some uh, coverage during the baseball pandemic season. And we were worried for a hot minute that we would not be here today because last week there was a tropical storm. Uh, <laughs> don't remind me, Josh. Yeah, uh, that was literally one of the worst eight days of my life. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you have the un- you have the misfortune of living out on Long Island and having to pay into like LIPA or like PCSG, whatever it is right now. PSCG. Yeah. So, um, so like, it, I, I hope they're listening. You guys are the worst power company in the entire world, and I hope you all get shut down. And I hope your executives go to prison. So it's funny you mentioned that because I remember on Howard Stern years ago that this wasn't—I uh, think this was about during Sandy, because uh, of his course, because par- yeah, his parents were living in Rockville Center at the time, and he was like, "Hey, anyone who works for Life or PSEG, get, call in and like tell me how I get my parents' uh, power back on." So apparently, um, when it comes to blackouts from storms, it's not entirely just them; it's also National Grid. So. We got so I wonder who the beef is with really. Oh my gosh! So, I mean, you're, you're so, the one who, yeah. Wait, take, take me through like those eight days. Like, like <sighs> the power goes out. What happens? Oh my gosh! So for us, 
like the it was the day after the storm so um, this, this would have been uh wednesday something like that i think i think it was wednesday i'm that's yeah. how crazy it's been i'm losing track of days so yeah, yeah i guess let's let's say it was wednesday wednesday at 3 42 p.m well oh, actually that. before that the power was flashing and we were like, like okay so, the power's so like, gonna so go it's like the lights are flickering you're like yeah okay. like tv is flickering you know stuff like that so you're like okay post or post uh yeah, i can't talk post storm surge it's normal everything's fine dude like not only that we expected the power to go out for an extensive period of time so like that happens like the flickering and stuff yeah and then at 342 the power goes out and that's it and we're like no one's freaking out because we expected it we're like okay the power's gonna be out for a few hours your mom's Um, like down in the basement doomsday prepping everything making sure like the fridge is clean (laughs) making sure everyone's got all the canned food is out yeah like we're we're already like you know everyone's prepared Literally, like you said, we're, we're all good to go. Um, and then, like, rest of the night happens, and, like, there's no power. And we're still not really surprised, you know what I mean? Like, it's not so that big so of a deal. So you're still at home at this point. Yeah, yeah, I'm still at home at this point. Then the next day comes, and not a single update from from anyone no one has power the situation got worse P- counties that didn't have that had power before are now losing their power so everything's just getting worse and this is where we like start to freak out a little bit right now, now thursday i think that's also when at like five in the morning there was that little passing storm too for like 45 minutes i actually didn't even know that uh okay. well I, that that's where my story comes in but you finish first mm. so um so yeah thursday rolls around not a single update my mom starts to panic she's like bro we have chicken meat all of this stuff like seafood all of this in the fridges and freezers like this is not good so like my friend who also who lives by me i take some food to her house she puts it for me in her freezer she's a generator okay so all right so so she has power but she's got like a backup system going exactly and And this is just like this is just like a friend like growing up in the neighborhood or yeah yeah, yeah. like my childhood one of my childhood best friends yeah okay great yeah um so and it stinks because speaking of generators we actually have a generator but of course uh, it was locked in our garage, which is, you know. And you got, you need the power to open the Yes, garage. exactly. So, yeah, we start freaking out about the meat. I take some meat to my friend's house. And then we're just, like, basically sitting there the entire day. Like, I'm me and my family at home, not knowing what to do. Mad bored. So I decide to go visit my friends in Queens who also don't have power. Mm-hmm. Um, Where in I, Queens are they that they didn't have power? Middle Village. I mean... How- no, dude, dude, like, you know people in Queens still don't have power to today? I saw, like, a few pockets of Astoria didn't have power, but Middle Village, that's, like, that was, that's so centralized in Queens. I'm kind Middle of Village had nothing, bro. Like, their neighborhood was black. Yeah, so, like, I, I get to their house, and we're just, like, chilling and stuff, and all of a sudden, like, totally unexpectedly, the power comes back on. I'm like, oh, what? Like, this is amazing. They're like, oh, Lean, you're so lucky, whatever, whatever. Like, you brought the power back for us. And um, so I'm just chilling, like, at their apart, at their house. And, um, and then my brother calls me. He's like, yeah, you have no bed. I was like, what do you mean? And so, like, I have, like, a makeshift bedroom on the first floor of our house. He was like, yeah, like, our dad just went into your room and took the mattress off of your bed and he put it in the living room and is sleeping there because it's so hot upstairs. (laughs) (laughs) 
wait, 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 hold, hold on, back it up, back it up. Like, makeshift bedroom, what happened to like your childhood bedroom that you had? It's, no, it's such a long story that I'm not gonna get into, but okay. basically my brother has my bedroom now. Oh yeah, okay, well my, yeah, my brother, my little yeah. brother, or one of them, uh, when I moved out, went to school, he took my bedroom as well. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and then, so you and then I moved me. into his old room. Okay, yeah, 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 there you go. I couldn't move into his old room though, because it's a long, long, long story with that relating to Hurricane Sandy. But yeah, so my mom basically, we have a den and she just transformed it into a bedroom for me, right? right. So yeah, so my dad literally just took the mattress off of my bed and like put it in the living room. And my brother was like, yeah, so you can like sleep wherever else that you want in the house, like on a sofa or something. And I literally was like, what is happening? And then thank God my friends came to the rescue and were like, yeah, literally just like live here with us. These are like my best friends in the whole world. So yeah. it was easy this, And this is in Middle Village still? Yeah, in Middle Village. Uh, so um, yeah, so that's basically my entire eight days. At not, like during the day, I would come home to like bring my mom coffee and stuff, make sure she was okay. And then in the evening, I would go back to their house, like shower, have dinner, sleep. You know what I mean? And that's sure, how- yeah. Yeah, it was a nightmare, dude. Yeah, we uh, we did not lose power um, as Very on, on as grand a scale as you did. I mean, we still lost power, which I'm getting mm. to in a second. Now, me, I'm a blackout veteran. You remember the New York City blackout 2003, mm-hmm. obviously. Right. I, I survived that. Um, where I went to college. So where I went to Skidmore College, Saratoga Springs, New York. Here's Here's the thing that it's still wild. This still happens to this day, according to my friends who still live up there. There's always one day in the fall up in Saratoga where a bunch of wind comes through and the power goes out for a few hours. What the heck? It's, it's just a lock. Like, I don't know what That's... the hell the problem is. The, the wind goes through. But the point is, I'm a blackout veteran. I know how to keep myself occupied during a power outage. I know, like, depending on what time it happens, you don't really hit pa- – I know, like, when it's, it's time to panic and everything. Because you're, you're talking about – taking the meat out of the freezer, I know like, okay, if this happens at like five in the morning, then I don't need to start worrying about the meat till like around nine. Right, yeah. So uh, Thursday, I'm asleep in bed. Uh, a week ago today, I'm, a, I'm asleep in bed with, uh, with Caitlin, my wife, who's like got six months pregnant at this point. And- Crazy. Now, the thing about Caitlin is that she is the lightest sleeper on the planet. Like, um, like the cat will very quietly come into the bedroom, just walking around and like the sound of a claw hitting the floorboard, Caitlin wakes up. Wow. So thankfully that meant that she heard the air conditioner kick off at like 515 in the morning and the, um, and then she woke up. And so she kind of shakes me and goes, Hey, Josh, the, uh, the power's out. And, and I'm like, all right, like, I look at my phone, it's 5.15, okay, honey, it's 5.15, like, just try to go back to sleep, like, there's nothing we can do now, it's fine. Now, this is before I realized that my wife is claustrophobic. So, she gets up to use the bathroom, and then she sees outside, like, the street is black, it's like, it's, it's still early enough that the sun's starting to come up a little bit, right, right, where, right. It, where it's, it's still dark, but it's not night dark, but the sky's starting to light, uh, to light right. a bit. Um, but she looks across, looks outside. It's it's completely dark. We later found out that it was about a 100 block stretch, maybe a little more, that lost power. Wow. Um, and she's like, "Oh God, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. I'm trapped in a box in the sky." Because she, she's six months pregnant, she can't take the stairs up. We we, uh, we live on the tenth floor okay. of, of our building, so it's not like it's not like she can go up and down ten flights of stairs in August summer. You know. Right. Um, so she's freaking out. She's like. 
okay, I'm all right. And, I, and I'm trying to tell her, Caitlin, go to sleep. There's nothing we can do right now. It's fine. And so she keeps like trying to talk her way through the, through like, I guess like the panic attack, even though doesn't yeah. sound like she's having one. And I'm still trying to go to sleep. Like I said, I'm the blackout veteran. It's five, it's five fifteen in the morning. There is nothing that can be done right now. Mm-hmm. Just like keep it, just keep your eye on the clock. And then once it's light out, check the refrigerator and move things accordingly. Now, <laughs> and so then she's, she still keeps talking to me. And then finally I just go, Caitlin, go to sleep. <laughs> and I feel bad for yelling at a, peg, at a pregnant woman, but <laughs> and, like, you know me with Harry Potter, I'm a Slytherin. I got, I got this much tolerance for, for dumb shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then sure enough, like at 6, at 6 a.m., like I hear the air conditioner beep. It kicks right back on. Everything's been fine since. So... So that was like you never lost power after that. Uh, the lights flickered a couple of times. Like the, honestly, the main thing that I've noticed, and this and this might just be an issue aside from the storm, SNY on my TV it always comes in choppy. Um, I don't think I've had that problem. Yeah, because because yes, that so, worked for me because I I have Verizon FiOS and yes, that so works do works. I. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, network comes in fine. ESPN, MLB Network, anything else where I would want to watch Mets highlights comes in fine. SNY, I can't get it. That's it comes, it's very funny that you say that. I actually have more of a problem with yes than I do SNY. I mean, normally they're they're equal opportunity problems, but yeah. um, but at the same time, like just late lately, and I'm guessing this is this has something to do with my set top box. Um, SNY oh. has been a problem. I don't right. Know. That's strange and annoying. Yeah. Oh, anyway, uh, anyway, that, that's been uh, our past couple of weeks, folks. We have got a lot to cover today, and we have a hard out at 6 o'clock here on Thursday, August 13th. Yeah, it's the 13th. Okay, I know, yeah. now I know what day it is. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so let's start with the Mets, who had an afternoon sell today against the, uh, the Washington Nationals. They're actually still playing. I have yeah. – uh, it's top of the ninth two outs. I have it on my other screen. Um, the <laughs> – Dude, they they look they look good. Let's talk about I think uh, Jeff McNeil first. Oh, yeah. Jeff McNeil, yeah. So I was out and about doing some food shopping today when I all of a sudden my phone starts blowing up that Jeff McNeil gets hurt. Yeah, uh, I was. Actually, yeah, I, I was watched talking. it happen in real time. So why mm-hmm. don't you tell us what happened? Yeah, it was terrible. Um, so David Peterson, the Mets rookie, was on the mound today, and yep. he got himself into a little bit of trouble in the first inning, and uh, there were two outs. Jeff McNeil started the game in left field today. He, um, I can't remember who the batter is. That's my bad. But whoever it was, he hit a fly ball into left. And McNeil, like it wasn't right at McNeil. He had to run a little bit. To yeah, get to he it. had to take a route. That right. was, um, it was uh, Asdrubal Cabrera. There you go. Yeah, yeah, Asdrubal Cabrera. And yeah. he, uh, he ended up making a beautiful play it was a really really nice play completely saved Peterson and the Mets whatever but while he made the catch he ended up running into the wall and hurt his knee and it looked like he got the wind knocked out of him or something because he looked like he was gonna vomit he was trying to get breaths of deep air and stuff yeah he tried to he tried to walk off the field that didn't work so he had to get carted off the field and was obviously like immediately taken out of the game um x-rays came back negative i don't know if you saw this so x-rays came back negative but they should still Mm. do an mri for sure uh they're guessing that it's a bone bruise hopefully that's the case 
Uh, yeah, because yeah. when I was watching uh, the clip on Twitter when I got home, because obviously I couldn't rewind it, rewind back and watch it on my TV with SMI not working. Right. Um, so I look it up, and first off, it's a great catch. It is, an yeah, unbelie- sure. it is an unbelievable catch that we cannot take that away from Jeff McNeil at all. Um, but looking at him, he definitely has, you said when knocked out of him, I think he might have a concussion. It, it very well could be. Yeah, because yeah. I think it was um, uh, Gary Cohen mentioned uh, whiplash, mm-hmm. like that. Yep. And, just th- and the way he was walking on his leg, my first thought was ACL and or meniscus. Yeah. So, uh, but the fact that uh, x-rays came back negative, I think it's, he's great. He's fine. Knock on wood. But yeah, sure. yeah, but then Billy Hamilton goes in, uh, goes one for four to raise his batting average to 0.63. Uh, but Jeff McNeil just proving he is the Mets version of DJ LeMahieu. He'll play anywhere, everywhere, anytime. It just that was that was a really good catch for him in particular because he's actually been the Mets, um, which is ironic. He's been their worst defensive player so far this season. Uh, but so this might give him some encouragement in the field, but yeah, it was absolutely. nice to see him make that catch. But yeah, I hope all is well with him. He's like you said, very, very important to that team. So, yeah. And ho- hopefully he's not out for too long. If it's a bone bruise, that might, that's going to be anywhere from two to four weeks. Yeah. And with the August 31st trade deadline coming up, that will be uh, something to watch for, for sure, depending on how the Mets perform. But as of late, they're about they're yeah. about to win this game eight to two. It looks like. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the Brad Brock got himself in a little bit of trouble. There's a man on first and second, but yeah, yeah, two. Yeah, outs. but either way, the Mets are they're eight and eleven, which is three and a half games back in the NL East right now, mm-hmm. and they're playing pretty well. They yeah. they dropped two to the Nationals this series, but with this win, they'll get the split. And they yeah. also took two out of three from the Marlins, and the Marlins, at least up until recently, they were the hottest team in baseball. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm sorry, the surprise team of baseball. Yeah, let's call them that. Um, for sure, they they have looked really, really good on all ends. Their hitting is what we expected them, is how we expected them to play out of the gate. It just took them some time to get yeah. the bats going. Um, and I think most importantly is the bullpen. Uh, the bullpen, they had like arguably the worst bullpen uh in july but in august they've looked really really good uh the era is well i mean it's changed but it's like going to be around almost exactly a three bullpen era which is really good sub one era in about the last like four or five games which is very impressive so i'm looking at fan graphs right now just to see where the mets rank compared to the rest of the league and it looks like as of now they're still technically the yeah. one, two, three, four. They're still the fifth worst uh, ER, full, bullpen ERA in the league yeah. at about 4.99. We'll round it up to five. Yeah. We've got a sub one war. But it's like you said, Brock is back. Other guys are coming back. So Jared Hughes, yeah. Jared Hughes is back. Uh, so, yeah, that number is going, to, is going to keep shrinking. Right. And then the Yankees, oh, they just by, won. The Yankees by yeah. comparison are at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They're, they got uh, the ninth best bullpen with a mark of 4.08. Right. And with Chapman coming back probably by the end of the week, that's only going to go up as well. Of course, yeah. Because once you have Chapman there, you don't need to go to the bullpen as early as the team has been do- has been doing. Um, not yes. by choice necessarily, 
But yeah. it just goes to show, like, New York, uh, both New York teams are going to have good bullpens. In these yeah, places. for sure. I mean, like, going off what you just said, the Mets came into the season with the seventh-ranked bullpen. So, like, it's only a matter of time that they get it together and start rolling. You know, it's you don't just go from being the seventh-best bullpen to, like, you know, a bottom five. So, yeah, I think they're going to be all set to go in that regard uh, in the near future. Yeah, um, and Andres uh, Jimenez is having a, a great start to the oh, season. Oh, what I tell oh. you, what I tell you, that kid can strap. He's kid can good. strap. He's got some swagger. He's uh, seeing the ball a lot better. He still doesn't have much power, but he's he's starting to see the ball better. He's got his batting average up to two eighty three. Uh, our own Kyle Newman compared him to Jose Reyes, and I'm like, okay, yeah. chill out, chill out, chill. No, that's no, I, I that's fair. Like I can totally see see him being a Jose Reyes esque player. Yeah, um, just just in terms of like being a smaller guy, having some speed, being a yeah. good defensive shortstop. But in terms of just the hitting aspect, he's nowhere close. I mean, he's been here for like two weeks, bro. Yeah, and, but, and he's expected to be like a really good hitter. So yeah, I don't know. The, yeah, but at the same time, Jose Reyes came up and established himself as someone who could hit a ball into the gap, who could turn a single into a double, which Jimenez can do. But the kind of, the kind of hits that he's been getting, we haven't really seen him take the hitting to that level yet. No, that's fair. But also, like, Jimenez was not ready, was not MLB ready at all. Everyone was shocked to even see him here. And he, like, never played a second above double-A ball. So I'm, like, very, very impressed with what he's doing. I mean, look, um, the Yankees kind of did the same with Glaber Torres. They brought him up with limited triple-A action fresh off Tommy John surgery. And now he's one of the best young shortstops in the game. Yeah. And then he developed power overnight. So Right, exactly. Yeah. So I mean So, so knock on wood Jimenez uh meets the same fate. For sure. He um I was going to say this, uh watch out for him. I I think he's a really serious candidate for a rookie of the year. Absolutely. For NL rookie yeah. of the year, yeah. Like I'm, really really strong. Yeah, I was looking forward to the uh, Shogo Akiyama pick, but I'll gladly eat my words if uh, yeah, if, it's, uh, yeah. if it's Andres Jimenez. I actually I have him in um one of my fantasy leagues, Shogo Akiyama, and he hasn't – like, he's been okay, but not really – and he doesn't really get consistent playing time, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the Reds are trying – they're trying to figure out what the next step in building their culture is. They're trying to figure out who – For fits, sure. Does, and they'll figure it out. I'm having uh, the same problem as you. My pick was Carter Keboom, and he um, yeah. he's not getting a lot of playing time with the Nats, so. Yeah. Um, uh, either way, the Mets have uh, a lot – a lot coming up though, because they've got after they they just beat the Nationals eight to two. So now they've got a seven game road trip coming up, and they've got yeah. three at Philadelphia, and then they have to go to Miami, and then they have and then next weekend they have uh, the Subway Series. In, yep. At Yankee Stadium. Yep, yep, yep. Followed by another trip to Miami. So if the bats are running hot, they should make mincemeat out of the Phillies pitching, because even though Philly's very talented, their bullpen is very is fully mm-hmm. touching go. and the Marlins. It's fun that they've been doing this well. They're overachieving. Oh, of course. Yeah, They're 100% yeah. overachieving. For sure. Same thing the, with the, the Orioles. Yeah, the fact that the Mutt, the Mutts, the, the Mets, <laughs> I got to be nice. I can't call them the Mutts like I did when I was in seventh grade, and that's actually kind of problematic right now. I'm sorry about that. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, the, the fact that against the Marlins, they got beat by someone who barely pitched above A ball, like, right. Humberto, like Humberto, what's his name? Right. Yeah, and now they got to go to <laughs> Miami. And the Marlins, okay, they're young, scrappy, and talented, and it's clear that whatever culture is being built there, it 
something's working. There's someone stepping up in that locker room. Yeah. But the fact of the matter remains, they're overachieving. For sure. Like, we, I think – I don't think I was the only person who, going into this season – uh, anticipated the Marlins to be like at least better than they have been, but especially because of all of the acquisitions that they made during the off season, they definitely like made some improvements to the squad, but for sure, like not enough to be one of the best teams in baseball. Like that's, that's absurd. And it, um, it, it's also a testament to how, especially in the NL East, how the competition is fairly weak. When, when yeah, it's crazy how we were all saying that it's super, super hard and, and competitive and stuff, but... <laughs> The NL East is a bunch of teams that they every team from New York to Atlanta to Miami to Philly to even D.C., every team yeah. has its bright spot. Yeah, yeah. The weakness is absolutely glaring you right in the face. It's not, like, sure. it's not like a weakness you can swipe under the rug and hope mm-hmm. that nobody sees it. No, they're out there in the open. Philadelphia, every time they get a lead, even if they're up 8 nothing in the first, oh, yeah. you know you got to worry about the bullpen. We For saw sure. it the other day. They were up 10-1, and then, the, and then I think Nick Pavetta gave everyone a scare late in the game. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Yeah, um, whereas in the AL East, by contrast, because the Marlins, Marlins are playing there too, you're not going to have that many good teams there, but every team in the AL East from Baltimore to Tampa to Toronto to Boston to the Yankees especially, every one of those teams has at least one guy who can mash the ball. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so and so maybe that's helping the Marlins out a bit but I guarantee you if they were playing teams from all the other divisions this year they would not be doing as well Play- oh yeah no no th- th- that's a really really good point and it's hard to disagree with that um I want to ask you a question no the- <laughs> okay you don't have to answer I'll talk to myself okay lean the uh the Mets <laughs> the uh the Mets rotation is obviously like not good and with Marcus uh, Stroman like opting out and stuff. Yo, but... h- how about him being a little shady with that waiting until exactly when his his service time would kick in to opt out? Right. And and yeah. then and then he says, "Oh, like this was a very hard decision." No, bull. Uh-uh. Right, right. No, you right. knew exactly my guy. You knew exactly what you were doing. You're dude Marcus Stroman, people don't realize how smart a guy he is. First off, <laughs> local New York guy. I think he's from Stony Brook. Then went to Duke. So this guy has a – he has a brain. <laughs> and so then says, okay, well, then he strains the calf. And then, oh, my service time kicked in. Okay, I'm opting out. And now right. he's – regardless. He probably saw what kind of a hot mess – the Mets front office. You know, Josh, Josh, speaking of which, let's have this conversation briefly because I think it's something like important to be discussed. Yeah. Okay. So I was trying to, my dad and I also had an extensive conversation about it as well. This was as soon as Stroman opted out. Now, so your like, dad's a Mets fan, right? Yes, yes, okay, of course. Right. Yeah. <laughs> a very pessimistic Mets fan. Um, so we were talking about, so, okay, uh, just like a reminder to the fans, uh, just over a year ago, the Mets traded two of their better pitching prospects, Anthony Kay and Simeon Woods Richardson, to the Toronto Blue Jays in exchange for Marcus Stroman. Even at the time, people were a little confused as to why the Mets were buying and not selling. But, you know, people were like, okay, Stroman's a good pitcher, whatever, whatever. And he was coming off. Like, you remember how well he was pitching last year. He well, was yeah, and, like, and I, can, I can kind of understand why the Mets were buying because even though, yeah. they, even though they've had second half stumbles and eventually collapsed out of the playoffs late in the game, 
they're always, even if they're playing bad to the naked eye, they're always record-wise in a position where if they go right. on a run, they can make it. They're For trying, sure. They're trying to capture that 2015 lightning in a bottle all over again. Like no, and, and I'll be honest with you, I actually was not anti the trade. I know a lot of Mets fans were like my brother and my dad were both mad when it happened, but I was actually defending the trade, literally what you were saying. I was like, if the Mets just get like a little hot, they are totally in the playoffs. So it makes sense. And like Zach Wheeler is leaving for sure. You know, there was a little bit of substance to it. Yeah. Fast forward a year later, Stroman is hurt and then now opted out. Uh, Zach Wheeler is dealing in Philadelphia. Anthony Kay is one of the Blue Jays' better pitchers. And Simeon Woods Richardson is one of their top prospects. So this is what I wanted to ask you. All right. It, when the Mets ownership changes, Brody Van Wagenen is likely gone. But do you think even to save face just a little bit, do you see the Mets re-signing Marcus Stroman? That's a really good question. Um, I think that with new ownership comes a new front office. And I think that given what's happening right now, and not just from a baseball perspective, just from in the way of how he handles the media and how the Mets do PR, I think that if Brody Van Wagenen is going to stay, he's going to have begged new ownership for mercy. Yeah, He will have gotten down on his knees, cut off a pound of his own flesh, just to like say, hey, I'm sorry, I messed up. Please just give me another chance. And who even knows if that's going to be enough? It's yeah, and the the my main point being, Brody Van Wagenen is probably gone. Right. And I agree. And to save face, should they resign Marcus Stroman? It's simply too soon to know that. Like yeah. I don't have an answer for that because it all depends. Uh, a, how the Mets do the rest of the season. For sure. B, um, is Luis Rojas going to be the new owner's guy? Yeah, because yeah. You, because for all you know, you could bring in a GM who subsequently wants to bring in a manager who, yeah, wants to rebuild the pitching staff, but doesn't see Stroman as one of their guys. Right, of course. And actually, they, going off of that, let me ask you a related question: well, 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 If well, the Mets hold, get hold on, good, okay, yeah, there was something else there because I also recall reading something. I think it was in USA Today after Stroman was traded to them last year. You'll recall Stroman was also interested in possibly getting traded to the Yankees. Of course, yeah. And according to Stroman's dad, I think it was, he was actually quite shocked and disappointed when he found out it was the Mets. Yes, yes. So I don't think that he will stay with the Mets. It would, it would take – A lot let's of say money. Steve Cohen, who the, who, the new, who the new Mets owner is. Yeah. It would take Steve Cohen and not, – not just the new GM. Steve Cohen has to be the leading voice in this meeting who says, hey, whatever you dealt with when you were traded over here, we're getting rid of that. You have mm-hmm. my personal word. Like, you have my word that all the crap that you and your teammates had to deal with, with the Willapon family, mm-hmm. we're not going to do that anymore. We are building a winning culture here in Queens, and we want you to be the part of it because of regionality. You yeah. and Steve and Matt's together. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, that said, Stroman knows his worth. He knows that he's good. Um, it's going to depend on how people view his injury because he's a smaller pitcher. He's not even six yeah, feet yeah. tall. And it's kind of like with CeCe Sabathia, who's six foot seven, is a smaller guy just throwing that hard and spinning the ball that much. What's it, uh, what kind of toll is it going to be on his arm? Yeah. And he's already having issues with his legs. Right. So it's going to depend on will they try to save face and, and re-sign him? 
I think they will certainly try. I don't think he will resign with them. Yeah, I think it would take a lot of money. It would take a really big contract yeah, for him to I, agree. Yeah, I think uh, this this largely depends on what they do with Masahiro Tanaka and James Paxton, but I think the Yankees might make a play for him. Yeah, I could totally see yeah. that happening. Um, do you, though, let's say the Mets uh, keep up their play right now, like, and they're 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 good and they stay hot. Yeah. Do you see them? making a move at the deadline to acquire a starting pitcher. Cause like, I don't know if you saw this, Michael Waka is on the IL yeah. and like, obviously we don't need to talk about how the bad the rotation has been. It's basically a one and a half man rotation with uh, DeGrom and Peterson. Uh, yeah. Robert Gesellman is like their new fifth starter or fourth starter rather. And that experiment didn't go as, you know, didn't go that well. So, I don't know. Do you see them going after someone at the deadline? I see several teams going after an arm at the deadline this year, and I think several of them are going to come home empty-handed. Yeah. Sorry, that, that was Matt's, that was Stephen Matz's ESPN page. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, so uh, I think I'm gonna see, we're going to see uh, several different teams going after arms. Yeah. At the uh, deadline this year in, in about uh, two, two and a half weeks. Right. I think that a lot of them are going to go home empty-handed, and here's why. COVID has made every team rethink its finances right now. I mean, we saw sure. that alone with just, uh, just with the agonizing union negotiations. Mookie Betts' record-setting contra uh, contract aside, I don't think that teams are going to be doling out the coffers or opening up the coffers this year and doling out the cash. You know? Yeah. So I think that – the Mets will go after an arm, but ultimately teams are going to be a lot more hesitant to trade uh, to trade MLB talent without getting significant minor league talent back in return. And the Mets mm -hmm. aren't in a position where they can give a minor league. Of talent. course, they yeah. Acquire it, right? And they don't, and they don't really have the pitching that they can trade to acquire that kind of talent. Yeah. So, and at the same time, they don't really have the minor league farm stock that can put them over the top. Like, if you look, like, just by contrast, you look at the Yankees' top 20 prospects, I think 16 of them are pitchers. Right, right, of course. Now, granted, a lot of these guys are still down in A-ball. Yeah. Like, Clark Schmidt's the only one who's even close to Major League ready. Right. Uh, and Eric Kratz says he is ready. So, right. I think that you'll see the Mets, they'll, they will certainly try to uh, – to make an acquisition, but Brody Van Wagen, and he's got such a negative rep around the league. I don't think anyone's going to want to do anything. No, yeah, that's a that's a really really good point. Um, anyway, it would all depend on the Mets staying hot because they're obviously not going to try to make a move if they're not serious contenders. So right, yeah, yeah. I guess we'll keep an eye on that. Um, okay, you want to let's move to the Yankees, or and you want to add anything about the Mets? Uh, no, we can move on to the Yankees. Uh, so the Yankees, uh, while you were while you were dealing with the power outage, you uh, you missed them having a very frustrating series with the the Tampa Bay Rays down at the Trop. Yeah. Now it was four games in three days. There was a Saturday doubleheader. Uh, and by the way, I must say, uh, while while frustrating these seven inning doubleheaders can be. It's actually kind of fun to watch because everyone plays with a little more sense of urgency. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, it, this was a series of the Yankees where everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. Uh huh. Uh, now I'm saying this. I'm saying this knowing full well the Yankees when they're on, they are a top five offensive team in the major leagues. I wrote an ar the article I wrote mm -hmm. where they said I said they had to refocus at the plate. 
this is very much the case. They, they can mash. They know how to get on base. They can score runs. Um, and sure enough, the injury bug bit us this time because Giancarlo Stanton is now in the IL with a strained hamstring. Mm-hmm. Aaron Boone said before he got the MRI, we, were, we really don't see him missing more than a week because uh, yeah. he stayed in the game after, um, after he got hurt. He ran the bases still, and, then, and he was a DH. Yeah. Uh, but similarly, Aaron Judge also was A, lifted from uh, Tuesday's game against the Braves with lower body tightness and yesterday's game with it, even though he says he could play. Yeah. Uh, And this is where everything just kind of went south for the Yankees. Their BABIP, uh, batting average and balls in play for Mm -hmm. that four-game series against the Rays. Uh, And and the five games, even the one game preceding that, in the five-game stretch, including four games against the Rays, they had a BABIP of 326. That's really good. Mm -hmm. And they had 37 hits over those five games and averaged about seven and a half hits per game. That's also fine. The problem was, per usual, the Yankees could not hit with runners in scoring position. Yeah, what's now, new? Uh, actually, this, while it's very easy to say what's new, I looked at what they had done before the Rays series. Lean, you're not going to believe this. On the season, the Yankees are, and it's probably gone up since the Braves games, coming out of the Rays series, the Yankees were batting for the season 277 with runners in scoring position. This season has been noticeably better without even knowing numbers. I just mean because the Yankees, you know, they have a reputation of right. they're, leaving they're, runners on base. Yeah, they're, we'll get to that in a second. So yeah. um, after the Rays series, they're, they're running uh, – batting average with runners in scoring position was 277. But before the Rays series, 320. Wow. Yeah. That's nice. In, uh, in the five games, including four against the Rays, and this also includes the last Philadelphia game, 188 with runners in scoring position. Now, the Philadelphia games, I am not going to get on them too hard for that just because the umpiring in that series was Oh, awful. my gosh. That, the umpiring in that series was full of Angel Hernandez disease. The umpiring in Tampa Bay wasn't much better. Vic Carapaza uh, ejected Marcus Timms for arguing balls and strikes. Or no, uh, arguing about hitter, uh, the race pitchers going up and in. And... It kind of reinforced, Lean, that this Rays series, it reinforced everything that I've thought about the Rays, which is that they are a troll of an organization. They are a classless <laughs> organization. And this is what really set me off. So James Paxton in the last game of the series, he was doing so much better. He yeah. looked like a new pitcher. The velocity wasn't there. Yeah. But here, I, um, I'll post a picture of myself holding the ball like this on Twitter. So you can see me right now how I'm how I'm holding the ball right. I got I got two fingers across the horse uh, the top horseshoe. My thumbs going across the bottom horseshoe. Mm-hmm. This is a four seam fastball, traditional yeah. four seam fastball grip, uh, and this is what a pitcher does to generate velocity. Now this fastball, this is what Jay Happ does. Some pitchers can spin the ball to make it look faster than it actually is. Jay mm-hmm. Happ in his prime years, even though he's his career velocity only about ninety two ninety three. He spun yeah. the ball to make it look 94, 95. Mm-hmm. James Paxton, even though he, he touches around 96, 97, he can spin it so it looks like it's going 98, 99. Right. Now, the first two starts of the season, his fastball looked very flat. But now, the way even with just a simple four-seam grip, it looks like he is indeed finding a way to spin it because he had, I think, 11 or 12 strikeouts in six innings. Right. Uh, the Yankees lost the game in extras, but uh, the fact that Paxton is doing so well – that's encouraging. What bothers me about the Rays, and this is why I'm going to cut a vicious promo on them, 
as Paxton was ent- was leaving the game after blowing a three nothing lead, they started yelling and just talking trash at him. Wow! I heard about that. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. I played baseball. Lean. Uh, did you play sports in high school at all? Yeah, of course. Yeah. What, what did you play? Um, main, I would say uh, mainly tennis, uh, crew. I played softball one season. Didn't go well. Okay. So, um, but but yeah. you know that in team sports, like the, the other side is going to chirp at you every now and again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Trash talk exists. Yeah. Here's why it doesn't sit well with me. If now mind, if the Rays had done this with, um, with the crowd, with a, with a full crowd, cause you know, they always get it, get uh, more people in the seats when the Yankees come to town. Yeah. Had the Rays done this with fans in the stands, I'd be annoyed by it, but I'd be like, okay, if they're doing that really loud and Paxton uh, hears them, he just has really good hearing. It's fine. It's part of the game. Right. The fact that there were no fans in the stadium and they're yelling at him as he's walking off the field. I'm sorry. James Paxton sees a sports psychologist. So you know that even though he can pitch, he can come through in the clutch when need be. He clearly is aware of his mental health to the point where he says, you know what? I need to go see a psychologist about this just to keep my head screwed on straight. Yep. Yeah. I have, I was appalled at how the Rays treated him, Lee. That's not okay in my book. And I'm starting to think, like, the Yankees, they played well in the Brave series. Tropicana Field's the problem. And the Rays, they're, they're pretty much doing what the Marlins did, except they're winning games. They are intentionally fielding a low payroll. Yeah. Yeah. Let me illustrate. Their payroll average the last five years, entering 2020, was it averaged about 72 million. So this is Mm. when you had Evan Longoria's contract and a few other people. And even though they weren't like a good team, they were scrappy. They they were a spoiler. And they were fun to watch. Let's let's call it like it is. But now they are they have a payroll this year, it's less than 30 million. They, it's, a, it's pretty much a bunch of minor league guys who are pl- buying into the system by the classless Kevin Cash. And, oh, God, I'll get back to Kevin Cash in a second. And meanwhile, their attendance, they're averaging, they've never been higher than 29th in the last five years. In fact, they've been either 29th and 30th. They're averaging 15.2 thousand per, ga- uh, per game. And they're saying, we need a new stadium. We need a new stadium. We're not going to pay players until we get a new stadium. You're winning games on the cheap. Like, I don't, why are you holding out on a new stadium? Why can't yeah. you just give a winning team that can put seats in the new stadium? You can't mm-hmm. sell out the trap right now. Now, granted, I understand a lot of that has to do with the trap's location. There's one highway that goes there. People don't want to sit in traffic. Invest in your team and stop thinking you're better than everyone else just because you are able to win games against better teams with a JV squad. Right, of course. And I mean, it's also this isn't sustainable. Like you, you can't win like championship. You can win games doing this, but you can't win rings doing this. The, the one thing that the Yankees did right in this series was that they got to the Rays pitchers. Yeah, they, in, in fact, including the past two Braves games. By my count, the Yankees have five games in a row now made a pitcher throw sixty pitches in less than three innings. Oh wow! Yeah. That is vintage 90s Yankees. Those are the Joe Torre years. Wear the pitchers down, get to the bullpen early. Now, the Rays have a very good bullpen. I'm not taking that away from them. Yeah, of course. Their pitching very... staff is incredible, yeah. Uh, no, it's not. Anyway. Yes, it is. It's incredible because they, it is incredible because they have manipulated it to me. 
Well, I mean, it, it's still like they very, very starters. good. Okay. Blake Snell, Charlie Morton. Who else starts the game? Oh, it's all openers. Great. Moving on. And uh, Ryan Yarborough gives them a little bit of length. Obviously, not as much as actually. Technically, Snell is more of an opener than their other starters. Snell has barely been obviously because he's coming off of you know like he Elbow hasn't surgery, played. Yeah. yeah, but um. No, like, they, they give them, like, a few – okay, none of them are going to go, like, seven innings. My but. point is, Lean, that the Rays are intentionally stacking their pitching that's staff true. so yeah, that they yeah. don't have to pay anybody. Yeah, the fact that, that the that's union, true. The yeah. fact that the union hasn't complained about this astonishes me. Maybe, sure. it, maybe you're, you're just ahead of the game. Like, maybe it will end up happening. If I was a Rays pitcher two years ago and I saw them, like, oh, like, they're using this opener stuff, my first thought would be – um, I should let the union know this because this is going to become a trend that other teams use. It's going to take away a job. Yeah. And the fact that the Yankees just could not solve this bullpen, which they have no problem beating at Yankee Stadium, maybe they can't see the ball at Tropicana Field well enough. Maybe they can't um, – maybe it's just like the vibe there. Maybe it just sucks the player like it does in Oakland. Yeah. But one way or another, the fact is the Rays are crying poverty when they have no right to demand a new stadium. Mm -hmm. They have, they, all they have to do is say, Hey, like our owner, Stuart Sternberg, he's willing to chip in X amount. They're insisting on a publicly funded stadium, which Mm -hmm. they do not deserve. Of course. And also in Tampa, there's no corporate sponsorships. Why should advertisers invest in a team that plays in a city where there's one major company headquartered there, Raymond James, yeah. financial services firm. And it's almost like the Marlins, because they said, okay, we're, we, get the, we have the new stadium. We're going to invest in our team. So 2011, they, they, um, were, they averaged about 19,000 in attendance, and that was 28th in all of baseball. 2012, they signed Jose Reyes, Mark Burley, Heath Bell, they, and they got Ozzie Guillen. They didn't, they didn't play well as a team. Attendance mm. jumped up to 18. So the interest was there. Right. Then Jeffrey Loria blew the team up, and they've never been higher than 27th in attendance since. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like the bizarro version of the Rays in that people were investing, the owners were investing in the team, but nobody was showing up because both yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking, why not commit to a new location first mm-hmm. and then start putting money into the team? Yeah. Because you're winning games on the cheap now. The, the, the Rays were a playoff team last year. Right. On the cheap. They, they might be this year. They, they might be this year, right. Mm-hmm. So why are they crying and moaning about not having money for talent when they're really just trying to do the Marlins thing and get a new stadium out of it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I'm MLB, if I'm Rob Manford right now, I'm telling Stuart Sternberg, either you find it, like either you secure a new stadium by the end of this year or my office is taking over and we will secure a new stadium. Mm-hmm. That's what they did with the Marlins and the Expos. Or yeah. I'm sorry, with, with the Expos. Mm-hmm. They took over the team and secured a new location and a new stadium. And then with Jeffrey Loria, they were getting to the point where they, would, they might have had to take over again if he didn't sell the team. Yeah. And so why are they willing to claim one high ground but not the other? Oh, because oh, they're winning games. Does it when's matter? A, it's, it's intentional salary manipulation. What, speaking, yeah, speaking of that, what's uh, Blake Snell's contract? Uh, he just got an extension. That's a really. He was extended. Question. I want to see how here. I'm I'm looking this up yeah, right now. Yeah, me too. Okay, yeah, it's it's five years. He'll be a free a, free agent in 2024. Have, have it's you ever a. Um, no talk, by the way. Yeah, I have. <laughs> this is like a white boy from Seattle. He sounds like a rapper. He's like, he's yeah. like I just gotta get paid, man. I, like, I, I should I shouldn't do that. I'm sorry. But, he's, I, but yeah, his um. At 50 mil. 
he was yeah it's a 50 million dollar contract with uh, his adjusted salary for this year is about 3.3.1 uh, million mm-hmm. he'll be making 10 and a half next year 12 and a half 2022 and then the last year his age 30 season he'll make 16,000 16 right but what really bothers me here is that the Rays they're just so smug about it they yeah. think that they're better than everybody because of it I talked about the players talking trash to Paxton and then yeah. Marcus oh god this came full circle we kind of got off on a ramble here <laughs> um Marcus Timms was shouting at Vic Carapaza about the guys throwing up and in because of the famous "That's for You, Bitch" CC game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And then Kevin Judge Cash, even addressed that after the game. He's like, oh. "Now Judge did it the right way. He was very jitterian in his response." Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very, he's just like, "Ah, oh, it's part of the rivalry because, like, you know, there's right. feelings from 2018." Kevin Cash, the classless Kevin Cash, <laughs> classless Kevin, as I'll call him. He was asked about it, like, hey, were you intentionally going up and in three times on hitters? And he, he, the Yankees say that you're doing this intentionally. Uh, like, they're allowed to have that opinion. We're just trying to win the game. That, that's what you call a non-denial. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, because he didn't flat out say they were throwing at the Yankees, but they were. And what does that say about your confidence in your pitchers? That you don't challenge them to ch- – you don't trust them to challenge the Yankees and just yeah. throw the ball down the middle and, and hope for the best? The best yeah. pitchers of the game. Lean, let's talk about Justin Verlander for a second. And I'm using this ball to talk with my hands. The, the reason Justin Verlander is so successful is that you can see with my hand here, he's not only got the four-seam grip right here, but he also knows how to throw a slider, which you throw when you snap your wrist and put mm-hmm. a spin on it like that. The reason Justin Verlander is so successful with those pitches is that he's not afraid to throw them to, to hitters. He's like, yeah. I'm giving you my best stuff. Try and hit it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get cute with the zone. Whereas the Rays, whereas like the Rays, they try to like play almost mental chess, mm-hmm. and instead of just challenging the hitters and making it a clean game, they're like, "Hey, I got you. <laughs> Get him the hell out of here." <laughs> Listening to you talk about this is so funny. You're this so isn't like- me in the tank for the Yankees either. This is me saying the Rays need to be held accountable for salary manipulation. <laughs> Every team that does this needs to be held accountable. And like all the owners say, "Oh, we need a salary cap and, and revenue sharing." How about we start with a salary floor? Right, yeah. You're getting paid decently <laughs> and, you're, and you're not doing what Stuart Sternberg's doing. You made oh. a good point. I'm just scared that it's going to – I at least hope it, it doesn't become a trend because that's super messed up. What, uh, with the Rays doing payroll? Yeah, yeah, like not paying players. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's become – this has been going on for a while. I mean, the Oakland just made it popular. And, oh, the, and, and the Pirates, their, their payroll isn't much higher, but they at least say, no, 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 we're tanking. We are trying to read. Yeah, I was just going to say that the Pirates don't even count because they legitimately stink. So, yeah, they're, 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 hey, they're out here tanking. Go easy on them. They're my National League team. <laughs> okay. All right. But, but, in half, but in half your news, the Yankees looked great post-raise, and now I'm fully confident that Tropicana Field is the problem. Uh, our own Allison Case was tweeting out, uh, hashtag drop the trap, and I wholeheartedly agree with her. <laughs> uh, but That's anyway, uh, how about that DJ LeMayhew extension? Let's do, let's talk about that. I just wrote a feature on that last night. Like he, yeah. yeah, he needs to be extended. Like yesterday, he is literally just he gets up to hit, and you just know he's gonna get on base. It's absurd. I mean, I, I sent you the gif of him with the Terminator yesterday. Yeah, he I, literally I, is. Yeah, he's just he is the machine. Yeah, like, you know how they say David Cohn and Garrett Cole are obsessed with hitting with pitching. Mm-hmm. DJ LeMay, he was obsessed. He's with obsessed that. with hitting. Yeah, like he just sees the ball, and he's so humble. He goes, "I'm feeling pretty locked in right now." Right. 
he is going to go down in history as probably one of the best contact hitters of his generation. Yeah. And he's all the more dangerous because he has the power to hit 30 home runs. He just wasn't using it in Coors Field because he needed to be more of a table setter there. Mm -hmm. So the Yankees, they say, no, we're a home run team. Unleash the fury. The question is, how much do you want to Also, the balls were juiced last year, so that definitely helped. But, yeah. I mean, the balls were juiced last year, but I think that even if they weren't, he would have put up similar numbers in Yankee Stadium, especially. I don't know if he would have hit, like, around 25 homers, though. I don't know if it would have been that high. Well, uh, but I still, I still I think he would have set a career high in homers. Oh, I yeah, just, no you know, yeah. That. yeah, 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 for sure, yeah. Either way, um, he's he's leading the the American League with a 431 batting average right absurd. now. Absurd. He, he it's could, like, it's not even funny, bro. Like, yeah, and he could easily become the first player to ever hit uh, win a batting title in both leagues. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, I I do think he's gonna have the AL batting title. I hope so. He's yeah. He, looks he really deserves it. So yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the Yankees just had some unfortunate road trips late in the season last year. I think going to Oakland threw everybody off. There was, of course, as you yeah, know. <laughs> yeah, and then just like some general fatigue kicked in. Death. But uh, DJ LeMayu, he absolutely needs an extension. Yeah. Uh, the question is, it's hard to determine how much he's going to get. Oh, yeah. I was thinking but, about that last night, actually. Now, here's, here's the litmus test right here. Jose Altuve is currently the highest paid second baseman in, base, uh, mm-hmm. in baseball. He's having a terrible year kind of lending some credence to the idea that he was cheating <laughs> along with the rest of the Astros. Yeah. And apparently my friend sent me a chart yesterday. His uh, swing and miss rate on breaking pitches has almost doubled this year. I, I saw that. They had it on ESPN, I think. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Do you think yeah. that he he's doing uh, poorly without the system in place? Yeah, Josh, before the season, like, it's, it was so obvious that Jose Altuve was cheating. Before the season even began, I was confidently saying that he was cheating. And this is just, like, confirmation, I guess. Yeah. I, I think that he is lost now that they're not banging the cans anymore. Yeah. And which, you know what? God bless Dusty Baker because he came in and said, we're not going to be doing any more of that. And it looks like he has got – he has the clubhouse on lockdown. Yes. Like, yeah. COVID aside, he has come in and said, hey, uh, all that uh, crap from last year. No not more. happening. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, DJ LeMahieu, uh, extension in context. So right now, through 2020 payroll dollars, and, and these numbers are obviously adjusted for COVID, the Houston Astros, Philadelphia Phillies, and the Seattle Mariners are spending the most money on second baseman. Jose okay. Altuve is making about 12.7 this year, 12.7 million. Right, yeah. uh, and now this is where things get interesting. Uh, the Phillies are paying Gene Segura about five point nine million, but he hasn't been seeing a lot of time at second base. Yeah, I was in followed by Neil Walker and Phil Goslin, who aren't even making a million dollars. For the Mariners, they they have D Gordon, who's making about five point three million. Okay. Now that brings us to the Yankees. This year, DJ LeMahieu, for his salary adjusted for COVID, he was supposed to be making twelve million. He's making about four point four million. Mm-hmm. So, if Jose Altuve is the ceiling, where what does DJ LeMahieu get? Um, How much would you give him? I'll be honest with you. I do think, I think regardless of where he goes, whether he ends up staying in with the Yankees or going elsewhere, I think he's going to be the highest paid second baseman in baseball. I think yeah. he's yeah he's going to be making more than Altuve. Um, the question. Uh, yeah, well, what? see, this is where I'm going to highly disagree with you. Because Jose Altuve, 
for all of his faults, he's still a young guy. I think he like just turned 30. I don't think LeMahieu's overall contract is going to be greater. I think his AAV is going to be higher. I think that because like age doesn't really, I don't know for me. Like I, think I just, I think it's going to be a short-term deal because he's 32. But one way, yeah, because he just turned 32. One right. way or another, I think that DJ LeMahieu is going to be making significantly more money than he made last year. Yeah. Uh, but because he's 32, and it's going to depend on how well he does the rest of the season, if he wins the batting title, this is definitely going to change things. I think that the Yankees would be very smart. He's going he's gonna to want $20 million a year, at a minimum. Yeah. I think the Yankees can talk him down to around 17 or 18 a year. Yeah. That was literally the because, ballpark that I had in mind. Yeah, because according to Brendan Cuddy of NJ.com, and this, this was, I think, last year, LeMahieu is open to the idea of an extension because remember. So you do agree that he's going to be the highest paid player, second baseman in baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our disagreement yeah. is more to scale. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because, well, cause hold on. What's Altuve making next year? Cause next year, Jose. What's right. his contract? Altuve. Altuve. He is currently in year three of a seven year, 163 and a half million. Yeah. Dollars. There you right. go. Obviously LeMahieu's not going to touch that. Yeah. Yeah. And and starting in 2021, all through 2024, Altuve is making $26 million a year. DJ LeMay is not even going to oh, yeah. that. Right. He's not going to come close. When does that kick in, you said? Uh, the seven-year deal? No, no, no. The 20, uh, whatever million. The, tw- the 26 dollars. million? Yeah. Oh, well, that was supposed to kick in this year, but for COVID, it's down to 12.7. Okay, so it's going to kick in next year. It is going to kick in fully next year, assuming that the league doesn't have to um, – make any more salary adjustments and move no fans. Okay, okay, got you. Yeah, so DJ LeMahieu is getting paid. There's no deny, mm-hmm. denying that. I think that he's going to be getting maybe a three or a four-year deal, maybe three with an option, four with an option at about yeah. or 18 a year. Because mm-hmm. remember, he wanted to come to the Yankees. Yeah. The Rockies were like, hey, we're not going to bring you back. LeMahieu called his agent and says, get me on the Yankees. Yeah. Even though there's no spot from the infield. He says, get me on the Yankees. I want to play. I know that I can help them. Let me prove my worth there. Mm-hmm. And he did. Yeah, of course. Like, you weren't, you weren't here for this, but I remember in the old Slack Yankees strategy and why when Troy Tulowitzki came along, I said, guys, just watch. Tulowitzki's going to be here for about two minutes. Yeah. He's going to get hurt. LeMahieu's going to step in, and he's going to become a stud. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, I, I remember um, a, a lot of people were saying that, that like, you know, obviously Tulo is very injury prone. They were like, we shouldn't worry about LeMayhew getting playing time because Tulo is inevitably going to get hurt and there's going right. to be room for LeMayhew to play. So, yeah, what you're saying is right. Yeah, because I, I remember uh, Aaron Boone said they viewed LeMayhew as something of a backup first baseman. And this was back when Greg yeah. Bird and Luke Boyd were kind of battling it out for the spot. Right, right. And then sure enough, Greg Bird got hurt again. Yeah, of in by default again. Troy Tulowitzki got hurt again. again. And then all of a sudden, okay, well, Didi Gregorius is still hurt. Let's move Glaber uh, Torres to his natural position at shortstop. Right. Put the gold glove second baseman there, and the rest is history. Of course, yeah, for sure. And it's not just that, because DJ LeMahieu, even though he's 32, is something you have to understand. And this might up his price tag even more. So maybe he will get $20 million a year for this. He'll, um, he can play multiple positions. Mm-hmm. Play second base. He can play first base. He can play third. He can probably. I mentioned that in my uh, extension piece last night. That that's yeah. what makes him even more valuable. Is that he's an exceptionally versatile and good defender. So yeah. yeah. So so you know that if 
Because first off, he's a six foot four second baseman. Yeah, he's so you big. know that no matter how good a hitter he is, his legs are going to get tired at some point, mm-hmm. and then you can move him over to third or to first. You or can first, turn yeah. him into a into a corner infielder like that. Yeah, for sure. And so he he has to be extended. I think that with the Yankees payroll situation coming up, because you know Hap's not coming back. Paxton, I don't yeah. think he's going to come back. Because James Paxton, even though he's on us right now, he can be an ace on any other team. Yeah. And, and he's going to want that. Yeah. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka, he's not going to be making $20 million a year, even though I think he'll stay. Yeah. Um, so there is going to be money available to not just extend LeMahieu, but maybe some other guys. Judge might get his extension. Yeah, facts. Uh, given how well he's seeing the ball now, and, and this is going to depend on what the analytics guys say, maybe Gary Sanchez will get a short-term extension. Oh man, that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be interesting to see what's going on with Gary. Uh, I will defend Gary to the death right now. He, I mean, look, I'm definitely not one of those. Trade oh my god, he stinks. Whatever, whatever. Like, I'm not extremely. I haven't been super high on him lately, but like, I'm not willing to say let's get rid of Gary Sanchez right now because he's been, you know, one of the best offensive catchers in the game for some time. And like you said, he's seeing the ball better, and it's very obvious. Like, so I think he so just needs in, a little bit of time. And his the, defense has improved. His defense has improved. The mm-hmm. entire Rays series, I was, even though he wasn't hitting very well, I was remarkably impressed. I heard he had good at-bats during that series. He had fantastic at-bats. He didn't didn't – he swung and missed on maybe one slider away to strike out. Yeah. Uh, What frustrated me was that he's seeing the ball very well because he was striking out a lot, but he was striking out on fastballs. Yeah, yeah. So I I have a bigger problem if you strike out on a low-and-away slider out of the zone than you do a fastball. Now, look, that said, Gary, he's making – he was going to make five million this year, and that, and he's now making one point eight five, and mm-hmm. he's got two years of arbitration left. That number mm-hmm. is either going to hold or it's going to go up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know some Yankees fans who like to bang on Gary very hard. Of course, I feel like most fans do. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I always ask them this way: name someone besides JT Real Muto who you'd want in that lineup over yeah. Gary Sanchez. No, literally. There's nobody. Like oh, you. Oh, uh, oh uh, Ad- Adley Rutschman, he's great. He hasn't played a single major league game. Right. For all we know, he could be another Matt Wieters who's around for five years if moderate. And then just, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think that, and not just that, the pitching, listen to CeCe, the pitching staff loves working with Yeah, yeah. Loves working with Gary Sanchez. So that said, I think that Gary Sanchez, even if he is hitting, he hits a home run in every game for the rest of the year, which obviously isn't going to happen. I think that you can afford to take advantage of his two remaining years of arbitration. Mm-hmm. Just sign on those one-year contracts, kind of let the payroll clean itself up, let the yeah. guys who you need to think about extending prove themselves. And this way, this gives you time to look at Austin Wells and decide, okay, do we need to keep him as a catcher or do we want to fully commit to him as an outfield first base guy? How right. Do do or even him? trade him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do we need to trade for another catcher? Do we need to yeah. trade him? Do we need to go on the international market? The Yankees don't need to make a long-term decision on Gary Sanchez now. Yeah. He's only 27. And not just that, maybe we just need to make a piece of the fact that Gary Sanchez is a three-true-outcomes hitter. Mm-hmm. He's going to strike out, he's going to draw walks, and then he's going to hit home runs. Yeah, I mean, of course, yeah. Like, I don't, I don't understand how people just expect him to transform overnight and just be, like, a solid all-around hitter who, like, you know, like, hits for average, et cetera, et cetera. And so, like, we know what he is, but he's good at it, you know? He's good at what he does. 
So the thing is, we as Yankee fans got spoiled oh, by yeah. his 2016 debut when he hit 20 home runs yeah. in two months. Yeah. Um, and I think that a lot of that came from pitchers saying, oh, this is a kid up from the minors. I'm going to challenge him with fastballs and, and say, like, oh, okay, like, oh, you did that? Great. Bet you can't do it again. And then sure enough, he does it again. Yeah. And then starting the year after that, I, I should, I'm going to need to look at his fan graph page. He started seeing more of those pitches out of the zone. Mm-hmm. The injuries did start piling up. Of course. And now he's probably in the best shape of his whole career. Yeah. And you can, and it's like we just said, he's seeing the ball better. He was just shaking some rust off. The strikeouts are going to be there, but yeah. Everyone but also, the strikeouts are there for almost all other Yankees hitters too. So not just all Yankees hitters, baseball hitters. We live in an era. We live in an era of launch angle and exit velocity. Yeah, for Everyone's sure. Putting more emphasis on hitting a home run. That means you're going to see an uptick in strikeouts. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, and so, I, and so as a result, like, two things are going to come out of this, and I've been saying this for a couple of years. To combat the strikeouts, you're going to see a rise in contact hitters. We'll, we'll throw yeah. Wander Franco and, and uh, mm-hmm. Royce Lewis in this conversation. These are two good uh, shortstops with power potential, but whose main strengths are contact hitting and defense. Yeah. And so as an extension of that, you got these pitchers now who are saying, okay, they've got a great curveball, splitter, changeup, and they can throw 95. And I've been saying this for a while, and I'll, and I'll break the, uh, the ball out for this. Throw a two-seamer. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with throwing a two-seam fastball? Because like a, two, a two-seamer, it's kind of like this. You kind of have your fingers on the horseshoe here. Yeah. And then, and then you have uh, down, your thumb down on the bottom. I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm messing it up. But either way, the whole point of a two-seam fastball, it's the textbook term for a sinker. Mm-hmm. A two-seam fastball is a fastball that you spin last minute and then it sinks last second to induce yeah. soft contact. Exactly. Now, Zach Britton, they say he has a power sinker. It just means he throws a two-seam fastball that is a little faster than average. Yeah. And what does he do? He induces lots of ground balls and soft contact. Of course, exactly. And so, yeah. with these, and so right now we live in the, in the power era, power hitting and power pitching. You want uh, pitchers who have a high case for nine, don't walk a lot of people. I think you're going to see that combated by more contact hitting which you'll then see combated by pitching to contact. Yeah. Is, and then um, Gary, and where's Gary Sanchez fit in all this? He's part of an era. He's a three true, yeah. a three true outcomes hitter in a power hitting era. Mm-hmm. A strikeout. Make peace with it. Yeah, exactly. Just like get over it now and move past it and accept it. Because, yeah. Yep. All right. Um, and last on the agenda today, let's talk about Aaron Judge, your MVP pick. My MVP pick. Tell me I'm right. Uh, I am more than happy to eat my words on this. <laughs> no, I, no, I'm, I'm just giving you a hard time. If you no, guys forgot, I picked Aaron Judge for a AL MVP, and Josh picked Glaber Torres. And I have, you know what? I, I'll happily admit I was wrong here. Aaron Judge, 290 on the year, MLB best, nine home runs. He's tied for the league lead in, uh, in RBIs with 20. One point one. He's the league in total bases uh, and slugging, too. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's so good. He's so, he's so good. Um, I think Mike Trout is going to give him a run for his money, but if Judge stays this hot, I think it's his. Um, it's definitely his to lose, and he, he doesn't look just locked in at the plate. He looks like he's having the time of his life. Oh, yeah. Because just sure. the, uh, the other night when he got removed from the game yeah. and, everyone, and everyone collectively freaked out, and they're like, oh, God, Judge is hurt, and the camera pans over. He is in – he is in the dugout with the biggest yeah. smile on his face. Yeah. 
He's looking so happy. And yeah, he's sore, but it's not like he's in the dugout. He's in the tunnel for treatment. No, of course, of course, yeah. No, I, I, I hope that it's not an actual injury that he just needed like a minute and that he'll be ready to go tomorrow. I was, I was talking to Caitlin last night because Caitlin, as you know, is a former personal trainer. Yeah. And uh, I said, hey, it sounds like Judge is tired. He's out with lower body tightness. And Boone said like, that he wanted to give him essentially two days off for the price of one, plus removed him from the game early yesterday. And then she asked, where is he feeling the tightness? And I said, hips, hamstrings, and calves. She looks at me with an, I can't believe I have to explain this to you look that mm. their wives give their husbands. She looks at me and goes, his legs are tired. Yeah. And Paul O'Neill said that playing on turf. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It does mess with your hamstrings. Yeah. And, and the hamstrings, they might as well, they connect to your whole leg, essentially. Yeah. So if your hamstrings hurt, then your hips are going to hurt. I, right. I have a bad hamstring on my right side. My right hip feels like the hip, it feels like. Uh, the best way I can describe this feeling is that I feel like there's an air pocket in my right hip joint mm. that needs that needs to be popped. And yeah. every doctor I've gone to stretch me out and says, no, you just have a weak right hamstring. Stretch it out and it's going to go away. Right. Okay. And so then the hip, then the hamstring, and that's going to go down to your calves if you're running around a lot like, you, like you're required to in baseball. Yeah. So I think that knock on wood judge is okay knock on wood yeah yeah and i I think that between the braves not having very good pitching and the off day today and the red sox coming into town boone was simply going you know what you're not feeling 100 percent. it's fine yeah take it easy yeah yeah, and, and judge says no no i can play boone goes no take the time off we already don't have stanton right yeah he's even more valuable now so yeah yeah and uh, looks like you got to eat your words because uh, Clint Frazier did well on his on his first trip back. Hey, I'm not complaining. That's that's great. I hope he keeps it up. But I think this just adds to the complexity uh, of the uh, you know outfield situation dilemma. It's, it's a very good problem to have. Oh no! I, of course, you be, it's better to have like five great outfielders than like you know one. Um, yeah, because uh, right now, Judge has right field locked down. Obviously. Uh, yeah, Stanton might see some reps there, and then Talkman can play all three outfield positions. Yeah. Frazier can play both corner spots. Hicks yeah. has center locked down, and Talkman can play there in an emergency. The only real weak- I'll be honest with you. I would not say that Hicks has center locked down. Uh, I can uh, – no, 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 no. I'm speaking like a, from a completely, like, neutral uh, point of view – uh, Hicks has not been particularly good this year and like it's totally fair for him to get benched occasionally I'm not saying on a regular basis but for him to be benched occasionally for for example Talkman uh, I wouldn't say that you know like he has it locked down like Judge has right locked down I think Gardner is definitely most he's he's the worst outfielder of the year even though it hurts me to say this uh, from, from sure. a hitting standpoint at least you know, of course, from hitting standpoint, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I definitely don't like Hicks is not one of the better hitters on the team this year, not even close. And um, I do think that it's fair to say that Talkman should be given reps at least occasionally over Hicks in center. And I know like multiple people who agree with that as well. So I mean, defensively, all right. So Hicks is batting two twenty seven on the season right yeah. now. Yeah, fifteen games. He has one home run uh, with four RBIs, eight runs scored. Mm-hmm. Uh, his walk rate, believe it or not, is double what it was last year. Last year, last year it was 12.2%. This year it's up to 24.1%. Mm-hmm. His strikeouts are down. Um, 
he's hitting 227, Babbitt 273. His on-base percentage is 414. So a lot of Hicks' problems at the plate, and we talked about this last week, he's swinging from his legs. Mm-hmm. Trying yeah. to do too much. He's trying to get that big hit in the number three spot when really move the line for whoever's batting cleanup. That's all you got to do. Yeah, right. Defensively, he's, he's been – he hasn't been terrible, but he hasn't been good either. Definitely the worst we've seen from him since uh, since he came over for, uh, to the Yankees, um, which is a little disappointing because with Hicks, this is at least how I looked at it. If he's struggling at the plate, because you know Hicks, like he goes on cold streaks. If he's yeah. struggling at the plate, you still don't have that much to compare about, complain about, because you're getting like elite defense in center field. So it's right. annoying this year that like even that, you know, he's not yeah. – now, yeah. his VRS is at negative four. That's, uh, that's uh, worse from negative one last year. His UZR, it's, it's below zero, but not by much. He's at yeah. negative point okay. three. Yeah. So, and also, Hicks has had a lot of bad luck in the field and at the plate. Yeah. Because like yeah, I remember with the – you remember that game against the Red Sox where he kind of lost the ball at the wall? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, had a, I had a text from a source who was at Yankee Stadium that day. Mm-hmm. Who, who then said, like, don't knock Hicks for that. We can't even see the ball in the booth. Mm-hmm. So if the, media, if the media can't see the ball, then how is the player supposed to? That's fair. Yeah. yeah. So the good news about Hicks is, like, because I know, I know that you're not super into Aaron Hicks. Right. Yeah. I won't deny poor, that. You hate on the poor man more than you have any license to. It's a big problem. <laughs> I, I encourage you to talk to somebody about it. Who hurt you, Lean? Who hurt you that you cannot embrace the myth, the mythology, the man, the legend that is Aaron? Also, though, you are the only person I know who likes Aaron Hicks, or at oh, least shit. this much. So, no, no, yeah. I'm not even – I'm not exaggerating. Uh, maybe I hate on him more than, like, others, but, like, I don't know anyone who thinks Aaron Hicks is, like, good at baseball. You know what I mean? Well, his, his weighted on base average right now is 358. Mm-hmm. And that and that's being considered the new uh, alternative to batting average. Yeah, fifty-eight yeah. is a pretty good mark. Yeah. Uh, as as long as he just stops trying to do too much, he'll be fine. Yeah. The uh, the main guy who's uh who might have his seat a little bit warmer is Brett Gardner. Yeah. Because unfortunately, because yeah. it's my theory from a couple of years ago. Great leader in the locker room. The bat speed isn't there. Yeah. Brett Gardner yeah. is trying to be like Mister Mister Power Guy now. And he's a contact hitter, and he's being power guy because he has to be. Mm-hmm. And if he keeps That's struggling, and if Mike Talkman and Clint Frazier keep playing well, I have no problem benching Brett Gardner and having a Talkman Frazier platoon. Yeah, I mean. That's fair. Gardner, well, at least compared to Frazier, obviously Gardner has his glove is far superior, but you need that offense and. Um, like you said, if Clint Frazier obviously has only played one game, right? Yeah. But he looked amazing, and he even said, and Boone addressed it too, that like he's never felt this good uh, in his career. Yeah. So that's a really good sign. Um, but look, like I'll, I'll be completely upfront about this, and I've told you this before, Josh. Like I'm not the biggest Clint Frazier fan, and right. I'm a huge Brett Gardner fan. But like if things keep playing out that the, the way that they are, then you have no option but to sit. Gardner for you know either a platoon like you said of Talkman and Frazier or just Frazier or whatever and it's not the Yankees are strangers to doing this because it wasn't that long ago 2018 uh we benched him and got Andrew McCutcheon last minute right right that's what happens it it gets to it gets to a point especially in an abbreviated season where you have to put out the lineup that's going to give you the best chance to win the game 
Of course. Yeah. That's the most important thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping at least like, I love that the youngsters are playing well, but you know, I, I hope that Brett Gardner can get it together at least a little bit. Yeah. Know, because he's, but, he's so important to that team for sure. Not just for baseball uh, reasons, but just for team reasons. Of course. Yeah. With definitely. season's about being on, he's the leader in the clubhouse. He yeah. is, he is training Aaron judge to take over the reins mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's a long way up where they have to make that decision, but it should be playing in the back of everyone else's mind. Because, mm-hmm. look, we love Brett Gardner. Yeah. He's done so much for this team. Yeah, He's course. a cult hero. But at some point, you got to think about winning the game. And if Brett Gardner is going up there and not working good at bats, because that's another thing, he's not having very good at bats. Yeah, because like Gardner, even though obviously he was never like this amazing hitter, he always worked really good at bats. Like he would always have awesome at bats. That's why he was a good leadoff man. But this year, like you just said, even that has disappeared. He's not having good at bats at all. He's getting challenged. Every at bat I've seen him so far, I, I have to go back and do a dive on this. Yeah. From my perspective, most of his at-bats have started with two quick fastballs that he hasn't even touched, and all of a sudden he's down 0-2. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. Yeah. So It's noticeable. And to me, that he knows he can't turn on those fastballs anymore. He can't catch up to them. Mm-hmm. So now he's got to wait. He's pretty much waiting for someone to make a mistake so he can capitalize, which, yeah, that's a fine approach when, excuse me, you're a younger guy. Mm-hmm. But if you can't hit a fastball the way you used to, yeah, what are you doing? Right, right, exactly. You can't catch up to a fastball. What makes you think you can catch up to a slider mm-hmm. or a curveball? Yeah, or anything I like agree that. with you there. Yeah. yeah. I know. It's just going to be interesting to see, first of all, how long Stanton is out for. Second of all, you know, if Hicks and Gardner can get better. And third of all, how Frazier and Talkman, like if they're able to keep producing. And I'm very interested to see um, – more so than his hitting, actually. I'm really interested to see how much uh, Frazier has improved, defensively speaking. Um, yeah, so. I mean, he's apparently been working very hard on it. Yeah, I heard that, too, which is important. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, he, he didn't get that much action out in right field last night, but that's Yeah, that's why, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's obviously yeah. going to change with the Red Sox coming to town for a wraparound series yep. this weekend, four games. For sure. Uh, and with that, I think we have uh, covered everything here on Yankees-Mets Express tonight. Yep, we got it all, I believe. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, thanks for joining us once again. Uh, this has been Yankees Mets Express, part of Elite Sports NY, part of ESNY Radio, the voice, the pulse of New York City sports. Special shout out to uh, Sweet Leaf Green Mint and Honey Tea for keeping me <laughs> not thirsty and keeping my thirst quenched throughout uh, this episode. Please sponsor us. We would love to have you. Uh, Anyway, uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Josh B-E-S-N-Y. Uh, Lean, you got anything to add? Did I miss anything? Uh, no, I think that's it. All right. What about your social information? Yeah, Lean, L-E-E-N underscore Amin, A-M-I-N. Also Twitter. Yep. And you can, uh, and you can send her lots of snake gifts that way. Okay. Let's ca- you know what? I'm deactivating it. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Thank- thanks so much, folks, for listening to Yankees Mix Express. Enjoy the game. And most important of all, stand clear of the closing doors.